Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the truth of what we just sang, that you are our salvation. Lord, that we look around at a world where the um, roaring lion is seeking one to devour Satan. He is real, and he is turning up the heat because as was read twice today, he knows his time is short. But Lord, he has no place here. Not because of us. Not because of something we have done or because we're better or stronger, but because our lion is the lion of Judah and you sit on a throne. And your kingdom is going to come and your will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you will put him in his place. And until that day comes, keep him from this place. Lord, let us see beautiful things about Jesus. That the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace for the fame of your name. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings and has called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Then the angel said to me, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represents masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns hate all hate the prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast, and so the words of the Lord will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. After this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor, and he gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen, she has become a home for demons, she is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Chris. As you're seated, grab your Bibles, open up to Revelation 19, uh, or 17, sorry. I, um, some of you know, maybe because you've received the emails we send out, or you follow me on social media or whatever, that, um, uh, that I have said that I think this is maybe the most important message that I have ever preached, um, and I've been in ministry now for 15 years this month is Carrie and I and our family's 15th year in ministry and, and 10 years obviously here at the church. And, um, and I didn't say it was going to be the best message. I didn't say it was going to be the most enthusiastic or energetic. I, didn't, I, I just think I believe it is the most important message that the Lord has, has something important to, to say to his church and to this church. So whether you're sitting here today or the, the many that are online because they are, or somebody they love are sick today, um, I just want to start the time by praying again. Um, Father, I come to you right now and I pray that you would open the spiritual eyes of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would close the mouth, this mouth of the speaker, if something is going to come out of it that is not of you. But I pray, too, that you would open the ears of the hearer. Lord, you have something for each of us here this morning, me included. We anxiously await what that is. Speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we talk today, I want you to remember a couple of things. There's a lot of things about the word I want you to remember and, and, and as we bring different ideas to bear, but there are two things, the general things that I want you to remember. One, I want you to remember what you felt like in March of 2020. 
So not this last March, but in March of 2020. Remember where we were. It's almost hard to remember exactly what it felt like about then. This is before masks or not and vaccine or not and everything else or not. It was before all the political turmoil of the election. It was before all that. All we knew was that there was a virus going around and that schools were closing down. And we lost our place to gather for a while until the Lord provided us a new place. All we knew were that businesses were shutting down and you couldn't go into stores. And and we didn't know what was happening. And there was a lot of anxiety about that right we also so that's one thing remember what you felt like in March of 2020 here's the other thing I want you to remember remember what you felt like prior to March of 2020 because here's what I think we have convinced ourselves of that somehow prior to COVID we had no problems Like the world was fine, the church was fine, everything was wonderful, and now look at the mess. Guys, here's the thing. COVID was not Satan's first play. And here's the other thing. It will not be his last. Right? We have to remember that. We cannot be surprised by what we see happening in the world because this tells us what's happening in the world. I mean, the passage we're going to look at today is the culmination of of unfolding world events that we looked at in in great detail in 2019, before any of this COVID March 2020 stuff even happened. But it it is not surprising that Christianity is under attack. It is not surprising that the church, capital C Church around the globe, is embracing this sort of social, economic, political structure that's going on. And that, but that was happening, guys, before COVID. That was happening before March of 2020. That was happening when, when, gosp- when churches that said they stood on the gospel, they were evangelical, were, un- were um, putting up transgender pastors. That is a church embracing the culture. Now, I'm going to use a couple of words a lot today in this message because they are what the end, Revelation 17 and 18 are about. I'm going to use the word political. But here's the thing. When we hear political, because of what goes on in all of our media, what, what we think of here is Democrat, Republican. What we think of here is elections. What we think of here is even just Congress and the president. That's not what I mean by political. Because there's politics in China. They don't have any of those things that I just said, but there's politics there. What I mean, when I say the word political, it's because I want to shorten up this idea that is found in Scripture, not just in Revelation, but certainly in Revelation, of this socio-economic political system that the world is running on. It is the Babylon. And the enemy's play is to make all of that come together as one. And we're going to see that today. And the problem is, the church, the religious ones, are embracing that. Or, if we're not embracing it, we're just asleep to it. Guys, if you, it, it is past time that God's remnant wakes up. I, I don't know how else to say it. The enemy has lulled us to sleep. He sang the church a lullaby in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we took to it. And and it looks like our comfort, and it looks like just, can't we just get back to those good old days? And it looks nothing like living for the kingdom of God. So one of the words I'm going to say, I'm going to use a lot today, is politics. And I don't mean Democrat, Republican. I do mean this socioeconomic political system that drives the world, frankly, right? It is what's going on in the world, and he is the ruler of this world, but I get ahead of myself. The other one, the other word I'm going to use is religion. Now, guys, and, and, and the way I'm going to talk about religion is, religion is just, think of it this way, in, in the context of today's message, it is a system of worship, Religion is, is just like, like we, Christianity is a religion. And based on what we see in the Bible, we worship a certain way because of that. Or we shouldn't be doing it. But here's, I guess, t- raise your hand if you've heard this. Everything today is political. Raise your hand if you've heard that phrase. Everything today is political. Look around. 
right? If you haven't, you're living in a closet somewhere. Here's what the Lord revealed to me. This was not the message I wanted to preach today. This was not the message I had planned for today two months ago. But here's what the Lord just has hit me with over and over as I see time drawing near. And I'm sure that, that, that a week ago yesterday saying goodbye to my dad for the last time on earth was part of what was reminding me how short time is on earth. But guys, I'm here to tell you that that. Politics and religion, in the way I'm using them today, have meshed together. But I'm also here to tell you, here's why. It's because the enemy is in it. That is his play. His, his end game is to so diminish the effect of the church by so intertwining it with this political, again, socioeconomic world system. And every single time the church embraces the state, we lose. Every time. It has been true throughout history, and it's continuing now. And we cannot be that way. The, some of this passion that I have felt even in the last couple of weeks didn't start with COVID. It started actually in like early 2019 when I just, when the Lord just placed on a burden to me in January of 2019 that, that God's people are falling asleep. That we're just, we're not, I've been preaching, get into the word. Nobody's reading their Bibles every day. We're talking about praying. People aren't showing up for prayer. I'm like, man, what is going on with your people? When did we get so lukewarm? And so part of what happened was I'm like, okay, God's like, you're going to teach Revelation, Doug. Because the passage we're going to look at today was the passage he put on my heart in 2019 that got us to, to, to spend half a year in Revelation. And all those messages are on our website. You can go listen to them or watch them because I'm going to skip a whole lot of detail in the short little passage we're in today. You can go back and pick up that detail later. But, but it was also what that, that passion in 2019 and what happened in March of 2020 when we couldn't gather. And as a pastor, I'm going, oh my goodness, are our people, are the people that God has entrusted to me and the other leadership of this church, are they prepared to take the gospel to the culture if we never get to gather again? Because I'll tell you right now, in Afghanistan, they're not relying on the church to gather to share the gospel. And when that day comes here, if that day comes here, are we a people prepared? Or are we just asleep? We got to wake up, people. Guys, and, and it's, uh, it's just hard. It's hard to carry a burden and look around at people that, that, that are professing faith in Christ that frankly I look at and I go, yeah, but man, when you walk out that door, are you, are, is there anything in our lives that is any different than, than what even the most nominal Christian would look like? Right? And, and, and guys, this isn't in my notes, but Matthew 7, in that day, the words of Jesus, in that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And then when I read in the Bible that, oh, by the way, I will stand before a holy God someday and I will give an account for the souls that he has placed under my charge, I can't not, I can't do anything but warn you. Because I have to be able to look in the mirror tomorrow and go, Jesus, I told them. I told them. I can't make them but I told them. Right? It's why we've changed the name of our church to Cross Train to get serious about training. It's why, we're, it's why we are doubling down on discipleship. It's why we're doing all the things we're doing because we just, it's why we decided to go ahead and spend the money to, to, to rent this space, to lease this space so we'd have a place to gather. It's all those reasons come back to the urgency that we feel as, the shepherd, as your shepherds to go, we have to wake up and we have to be used by God to help other people wake up. Right? That, that is the key. 
And we have to recognize what the enemy's schemes are. And that's really what the message is about today. We're in this, we're in this series called Cross Train. And last week, Jeff talked a lot about like, like some specific ideas about cross training. And, and I was supposed to take those ideas and flesh them out in the how with our D groups and our foundations class that's starting on Tuesday and all those other things. And, this is, and instead, we're going to focus on just, we, we got to get back to the why. Because here's the thing. If we don't know why we're cross training, if we're not moved by the motivation to cross train we won't do the what and the how we just won't and so we have got to get motivated to to train people to teach the truth but remember this as we're moving forward not just today but throughout this new season we aren't learning God's truth to use it as bricks to throw at people right we are guys and, and and sadly we are guilty of that in the body of Christ and we're guilty of that at cross train I, know, I want to know more truth so I know how to fight harder. That is not how we fight as Christians. Guys, we are beggars telling other beggars who the bread is. And if you don't buy that, we need to talk. Right? That's the bottom line. We are no better than those people in the world. We just aren't. But we also have to understand how those people in the world, including this world political system, operate. And what, how that is infiltrating itself into the church and how the church has migrated itself into the world. So with that, your first table talk question. Your first table, your, we, we redid our bulletin. I don't know if you saw it or not, but we redid our bulletin. Um, one, because we wanted to put the, at this time that we're in now, with so much un, unsurety in the world, we wanted to be sure that the leader's contact information is in the, the piece of paper we hand you every week. So you can contact us right here. It's on here. So we wanted to make room for that. So we, we made the notes sheet separate. And it's called Training Truths. And on the back, or the training worksheet, and on the back of the um, training worksheet is, are the talking points. And our first talking point is this. What are the dangers inherent in the church and politics being inter- too interconnected? I'm going to give you one minute. That's it. One minute to come up with one thing. What, are, what is a danger about the church and politics being too interconnected. And remember, when I say politics, I mean world system. Go. Okay, so when I ask for responses to all the questions today, assuming we get through them all in the time that I have, I, I am going to tell you right, so I'll just say it up front, I'm, at, I'm looking for like one phrase, I'm not, I'm not asking for your commentary about why this might or might not be true, and guys, if you ramble, if you start moving on, I will interrupt you. I just need to let you know that. We have a lot of people in this room. It's hard to have a discussion, as much as we want to have that as a church, it's hard to have a discussion with 100 plus people in a room. So I will reserve the right to just say, thanks, but what's your point? Okay, so this is not a place for you to preach. It's a place for me to preach. All right? So right here, go ahead. Okay, so what, what I heard, just heard Ginger say was the church taking control of the people rather than letting God have control. So the church is, and that's really true, the church is bought into, like, that was a huge Willow Creek model thing back in the 80s and 90s. The church bought into a very man-centered, worldly approach to training up people. And even by their own admission, although they haven't changed it, interestingly enough, that whole Willow Creek model admitted that it didn't work. They said they created millions of disciples that were half an inch deep. And they're still doing it. Okay, go ahead, Kim. Accepting changes 
Okay, so, so accepting the things of the culture as, as just part of, okay, well, I guess the church was wrong in the past about that. Let's keep it going. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and embrace those things, and we'll talk more about that. Scott? Church bowing down to the government instead of to God. Church bowing down to the government instead of to God. Good. Pretty self-explanatory. The church becomes dependent on the political system, and then the, and then the system does not allow the church to preach the truth. You guys, that is absolutely true. It was true even in places like China recently. For a long now, the church is actually allowing Christian churches, quote-unquote Christian churches, to meet, but not the house churches, because the house churches are preaching the gospel. They're allowing people, they're saying, you can preach Christ, you just can't preach him as Lord. Well, then you're not preaching Christ. Go Tina. Distraction, so we don't, so we lose our focus. Yeah, the world is about, or the church even is about all kinds of business and individual Christians. We're all, I mean, the amount of energy we spend individually and then collectively, um, arguing things that have no kingdom significance, or at the very least, much less kingdom impact than preaching the gospel. Go ahead, Garrett. Last one. Sorry. What's that? He is our cornerstone and not the world. And that is a good point to end on. Thank you, Garrett. That's absolutely. And we'll have other times to answer. But guys, here's what part of why I wanted, to, I wanted to, to take some time with that. Do you know, and I've, I've shared a little bit about like some of the surveys that have come out post-COVID in churches. Um, George Barna, he's one of the big surveys. You've been a Christian very long. You've heard his name a lot. He actually is local now. He actually has st- established his office at ACU where Emma starts school tomorrow Um, and so he just recently came out with another survey that he did and and I've talked about some of this before but uh, but since COVID about a third of all people that were attending Christian churches before have just disappeared they're not going anymore about a third of them have gotten stronger in their faith than, than like they're more committed now than ever here's the scary part that middle third they're wandering around, but you know what most of that middle third is wandering around for? You know what they're looking for? They're looking for churches that agree with their politics. Guys, understand what that means. That means that there are people out there who are not just professing Christ, because we all have seen those surveys, 80% of Americans profess faith in Christ, or that was years ago, now it's less than half. But, but we all, yeah, but they're not really Christian. I'm not, we're talking about people that were attending church regularly, who are now saying... That they would rather, they're trying to find a church that fits their view on this or that political issue, regardless of what the church teaches about the Word of God. I mean, oh my goodness. I would, you can teach heresy about the Trinity, but you better be on the right side of Black Lives Matter. That makes no sense. That is not the church. It just isn't. It's not what the church is meant to be, but that's what's happening to our culture. Turn to Revelation 17 if you're not there yet. I'm, I'm already behind. Of course, we all knew we were gonna, I was going to be. But look at, I, 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 before we even get, I haven't even gotten to the outline yet. So look at, look at 17, 14. Look at verse 17, 14. They will make war on the Lamb. Who's the They. The world, right. So all we have to do, remember, context is king. Turn back, for me it has to be a page, turn back to verses 5 and 6 of chapter 17. And on her forehead, her is this prostitute, right? On her forehead was written the name of, of, of the mystery, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abomination. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. There's the war. The blood of the martyrs of Jesus. That's been going on long before Afghanistan. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. Guys, Babylon, I'll say it again. Babylon, because we'll see it come up again in the passage. It is this world system of this political, geo, um, geopolitical, economic, slash religious system. And the ruler of that world is Satan. And we will see that today as well. Guys, it's when, when religion and politics, remember how I'm using politics, when religion and politics mesh, we seal our doom. Not just because we're buying into the wrongs, but because the power behind the politics is not just neutral. There's no neutrality. The power behind the politics is Satan. Guys, understand that. 
So when we choose to step into that world and embrace that way of thinking, who are we stepping towards? Satan. Because it's just the reality of Scripture. Now I say that, and I, and I want to make this clear, and I'll probably make it clear a couple times. Guys, now if we just take politics in the way we think of it as Americans, Democrat, Republican, all that stuff, I, I, we're going to go back there now, so I'm talking about that now. We need to be involved in politics. We do. Guys, we live in a representative republic. If Christians don't represent, we have no business complaining about what's going on. In fact, I'll tell you this. My one of my great joys as a pastor would be that many cross-trained people would be in positions of power in politics. That you would run for school board and city council. That you would run for sheriff like our brother Mike did. That you would run for state legislature. But that you would go into those things knowing exactly why you're doing it. It's because you are entering enemy territory. It's not because you think that system is going to fix the problem. Because it won't. Why won't it fix the problem? Because it doesn't matter who our president is. Our, the president of the United States cannot possibly thwart what God's word says is about to happen. Amen. Now, pra practically as citizens of the U.S. with daughters that I love... Do I want the President of the United States to promote Christian values? And so will I be engaged in that as much as possible? Absolutely. But I will put that way, way, way south of the gospel. Right? If, if you, if I, and I've said this before, if your social media feed makes Donald Trump the savior, you're in the wrong camp and there's only two of them. I don't know how else to say it. But that's where, do you see how cunning the enemy is? That he's got us believing, us Christians believing, that somehow by being hard and forceful towards getting our way in politics, we're going to win the day for Christ. Just isn't in the Bible, guys. It's not. It's just not. But... I do want us involved in politics. I want us engaged in what's going on in our culture. We have to be. We're called to be. We're called to be the light and salt of the earth. Right? So we, so we need to be there. Okay, so with that, we got to move on. So, so, guys, we're talking about this whole idea of what, what is cross-train? What is all that about? Here's the, the why behind it is because of what's going on in the world. And time is short, and eternity is long, and hell is still hot, and Jesus still saves. And we better be telling people that message. So what we're going to talk about today is where does this road of cross-training lead us? And we've got three points that we're going to look at in this passage. It leads us to learning to see the lies. It leads us to living like the set-apart ones we are, if we're really Christians. And it looks like looking to the Lamb. And that last one is the most important part, and that's why I have to give myself time for us to get there. So let's take a look at our first point in, in, in Revelation 17, verses 5 and 6, learning to see the lies. Verse 5, he says, On her forehead, I'm sorry, I was on, I'm, I'm still on, ver, sorry, verse 15 is what I meant. I was in verse 5. So in, in chapter 17, verse 15, our first point, learning to see the lies. And the angel said to me, the waters that you saw were the, were the prostitutes seated and all the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the language. Guys, this is, this is God's way of revealing to John in around 90 AD. You can imagine, his, his vision of the world was really tiny compared to ours, right? It was his way of, his way of, of revealing to, God, or to John that there is going to be a one world government. That's, what, that's what's being described here. This one world government... And then it says, and then it says um, on verse 16, and then the, and the ten horns that you saw, they were the beast, and they will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her with fire. And guys, like I said, when I taught through Revelation in, in 2019, I went into a little more detail. I, I will tell you right now, I, I think the church spends too much time trying to figure out who the ten horns are and who like I, that's not what this is given for 
We don't know what this is given for. Is that, well, here, here's what all of this, this whole section is about. It's, about the, it's, it's, to, it's to tell John, to tell the church, that Satan and demonic forces are behind what you see as the world comes together as one. That is not God's way. God will bring the world together as one, his way. But when it's done through the government, when it's done through all these other powers, these ten powers, this one, the, the Babylon that hates the ten powers, all that, it's just saying Satan is behind this. We have to recognize that. We have to, we have to realize, guys, 2 Corinthians 4. For the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the glory of the gospel that is Jesus Christ. He is the ruler of this world. He is. He's not out of the control of... He's not, nothing he does here is out of the control of God, but he is absolutely the one who is blinding the world system. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to understand that. But guys, none of it is outside of God's control. Look at what he says in verse 17. For God has put it on their hearts to carry out this purpose to, of, of being by one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Guys, do you remember what David says in Psalm 2? Psalm, Psalm 2 was written 900 B.C. Like a thousand years before John writes this. Remember what he says in Psalm 2 he writes, don't turn there right now, I'm preaching. But, but guys, he says, he says, why do the nations rage? Why do the nations come up with their schemes against the Lord? He's like, none, and then he says, none of it will amount to anything. In verse 4 of, of Psalm 2, he says, God on high laughs at them. And yet we're sitting here running around like, we Christians, we cross-trained, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to figure out how to make the world system fix the world. It's ridiculous. It just is. I'll let you in a little secret. It's broken. The 2020 election did not prove that. God's word proved that. It's just broken. So the enemy is trying to steal as much as he can from this world before he goes. How does the enemy steal? And that, that's where I got the idea, the, 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 the title of the, to give, it, to give the answer away, what's the title of the point? Or what's the, what's the word on the point? How does the enemy steal, think he's stealing from God? He whispers lies. Right, remember Genesis 3? Did God really say you weren't supposed to eat from that fruit? I mean, it was from the very beginning. He takes, and guys, and I, I'm not going to have you turn there. You will read it either tomorrow or the next day in your daily readings, which is part of me taking this huge topic and trying to help you continue the conversation throughout the week. So your daily readings are listed in your bulletin, and I encourage you to read them because I can't do justice to this. But do you remember when the Holy Spirit, figure this out, the whole, Jesus gets baptized in the wilderness, Luke chapter 4. He comes up out. Who leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? The Holy Spirit does. Do you remember how Satan comes to him every time? He's like, hey, in fact, he's like, hey, why don't, why don't you come do this? He, he takes a little bit to Jesus. He takes a little bit of God's truth and he says, hey, if you would just do it this way, you and I, man, we're going to be like this. We're going to rule. And do you remember how Satan or how Jesus responds to Satan every single time? For it is written. For it is written. And then he quotes his dad. That's the kind of person we have to... Guys, but here's the thing. Satan didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, if you would just slaughter all these people, hey, if you would just embrace this ideology, hey, if you would just join this movement, hey, if you... He came to, he came to Jesus with, with about 80% truth. Right? That's how he works. So, so we can't just look at the ugly stuff, the stuff that we disagree with clearly from Scripture, same-sex marriage or the LBGTQ thing. or what. We can't just look at that stuff and go, well, clearly God is against that. Satan's better than that. Like Satan's more cunning than that is what I should have said. What he does is he says, hey, I, I know that Tony and Kim would never buy into that, so I'm going to come to them with a lie that doesn't look quite so ugly. And if I can get them to buy that one, I'll get them to buy the next one and the next one. And that is how he lulled the church to sleep. That was the lullaby he sang to the church in America over the last 30 or 40 years. Guys, Satan always says to us, I have a better plan. He does. He's always like, I have a better plan. Just follow me. 
And we have to remember that we, our, our, our only strong response is, what does God's word say? Amen. Guys, so here's your, second table, here's your second talking point. What are some ways that we see the world system has replaced or overwhelmed the role that was meant to be filled by the church? So I don't, I'm not talking about issues. I'm talking about like, what, like where, is, where has this geopolitical religious system come in and said, hey, we'll take care of this for you. It even looks good. When really it was meant to be done by the church. Everybody understand the question? Go. One minute. Okay, Mark, benevolence. benevolence, what do you mean by that? That's a big word, Mark, I'm not that smart. Taking care of the needy. Taking care of the needy, that's such a great example. Guys, like, yeah, and, and, and I mean, that horse left the barn like a long time ago, and every time, like, at least, I'm, I'm just talking about in America, the idea of taking care of the needy, the, and the, how the church has always been, met, I mean, Acts 2, right, they gave and, and helped each other as everyone has need. Well, you know, the, the what was, what did, what did Roosevelt call his plan, the, the great, the New Deal, whether it's that or whatever our current president is calling his plan. Um, like, it, like that, but that horse has left the barn a long time ago as far as how do we like bring our culture back to that. But it doesn't absolve. The fact, that, the fact that so much of our taxes is going to trying to help needy people does not absolve the church of helping needy people. We have a young lady in our church that was talking to me a couple weeks ago about how she might be um, losing the place she's currently lived. She's like, and with a great sweetheart, she's like, if I have to live in my car, that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, not on our watch. That doesn't happen here. It will not happen here. The day that happens here, I stop pastoring here. I'll just tell you right now. Like, we will take care of our own. We, we said, in, when this church started in 2011, we had, like, our, big, our biggest moving, our big, biggest ministry was our moving ministry. Everybody was moving one house to the left because everybody was losing their home. And nobody was homeless. We hadn't taken an offering, but we're like, you know what? Nobody is going to end up homeless while, we're, while they're part of this family. Good. What, what's another one? Education. There's another one. I'll, I'll probably come back to that point in a little bit, Mike, because that's one of those that, like, pre-COVID that we really wrestled through. But absolutely. It's like, let us educate your children. And let us educate Christ right out of them. Good. Morality. Morality. So they set the moral standard. Like, the government is now setting. And we all hear, right, you can't legislate morality. Now, are, are, is it good to have, like, laws that... that promote moral behavior like life yeah of course but that doesn't mean we can we can't but guys if we if we were and i'm praying praying almost daily for this day that we reverse roe v wade it is an affront to a living god that we as the church in america has just gone along with that i also pray that we would reverse no fault divorce but that's just not as passionate an issue for people um and i understand why but guys, the reality is we could pass it, we could reverse Roe v. Wade, we could say there is no such thing as no-fault divorce, and that will not bring the hearts of our culture to Christ. Only the gospel will do that. Right? Okay, we've got to keep going. I'm sorry. So, we, so the first thing, so where does this cross-reading lead? First, it leads us to, to like, like learning to see the lies. And I'm not just talking about ugly lies. I'm talking about the lies that look good to us. The second thing is it teaches us to live like the set-apart ones he has called us to be. So take a look at um, verses, um, verse 18, ver, chapter 18, verse 1. 
He says, after this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. Now, I just got to stop there for a minute, because obviously this is a pretty dark passage. It's a lot of Babylon and demonics and Satan and everything else. And even as Chris was reading it out loud, I'm thinking, guys, this, I don't know which angel it is. It's probably Gabriel, but it might be Michael. But whoever he is, he's big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to light the earth. We, we got to get a bigger view of the dudes that are on our team. Right? Like, seriously. I mean, that's, I mean, seriously, right? And we, and we saw this in Daniel. When we pray, that whole time we were praying in here, we are strengthening the angels, these dudes, to do battle on our behalf. Right? Because that's where the war is, and we'll see that in a minute. And then he says, and he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. He's basically saying the world system is broken, people, for, but all the nations have drunk the wine of her passion, of her sexual immorality. Guys, look at what's happening in our world in this ever-escalating period of trial and struggle and tribulation that, that is going to go right up until his coming. Now, I've been a pre-tribber my whole life. I'm still praying that's true. I'm not pot, really, I'm less sure ever that, we're gonna, that pre-trib is a thing. I really think it's post-trib. But regardless, what we do know is trib, tribulation, is going to continue and increase until Christ comes. Right? Whether we're here to enjoy it or not, it's coming. And it's happening all around us already. And it, and. And he says, so he's saying here, sorry, he's saying here that, that all of this is, is going on. The kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from her power and her luxurious living. Guys, if you don't read that and see the headlines, as little as I even read the news, I don't ever watch it, but I occasionally read it so I know what's going on in the world. If you don't read that and see that's happening, one world economy, one world government, one world... I mean, it, guys, it's coming. That's what this is talking about. And yet, we just are like moseying along, sort of sleeping through it all. Like, like it doesn't... Guys, here's, here's what this is about. This is about where are you putting your faith. Ultimately, being a set-apart one is... At, the, the question God's asking is where are you putting your faith? Do you remember when we talked, when we were doing the, the, um, the five solas? Sola gratia? By grace alone, sola fide, through faith alone. What did I say? Our only thing in faith is. Our only, our, our only adding to faith is what? Our role in faith is what? Come on, it wasn't that long ago, people. Believe. Do we believe? Do we just believe in the promises of God? That's our part in faith. Do we, so, so here's what ultimately what this, this whole thing is asking is who are you going to, to trust? Like, who do you trust and, and who you trust is shown by who you go to when you need help. Guys, if you're scared about what's going on in the world, if you're, if you're anguished about what's going on in, in Afghanistan, if you're, and you should be all those things probably, I'm, the question becomes, what do you do with those things? Do you, do you find your favorite commentator on television to tell you what to think about those things? Or do you come to the Word of God? Because we're all being discipled all the time. And set-apart ones are meant to be discipled by this. We're meant to, to use this in relationship with one another to challenge and strengthen and encourage one another. And if you're not doing, because, because when, anytime I'm not doing that, which is a lot of my time. I mean, I can't spend all day reading the Bible, right? I, but, but guys, anytime we're not, we are being discipled. You are being discipled by the news programs you watch, by the commentators you listen to, by the podcasts you follow, you're, you're by, the, by the social media influencers that, you are, that you're liking on Instagram and Facebook. You're being discipled by the video games that you play. You're being discipled by the television shows you watch. You're being discipled all the time. And guys, if we realize now, we back up and we go, and the world system is not only broken in that it's, it's ugly and it's whatever. Even in the parts that we see as good, it is under the control, that, that are not gospel, that are not Jesus, that are not the word. They are controlled by Satan, how do you think he's going to use those in your life? Do you think somehow he's going to use that commentator on Fox News to all of a sudden lead you to Jesus? Of course not. Why? Because he doesn't want you with Jesus. He wants you with him in hell for eternity. Turn off the news. Pick up your Bible. Trust God. 
Let's pick it up in verse 4. This is the passage that hit me about teaching through Revelation. This is the passage that, that, that God led me to, um, um, to even come back to this today. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Guys, that should, it just broke, like literally broke my heart. What is he saying? He's saying what I was talking about for the first, my, my introduction that lasted 20 minutes. He's saying that the, that the church, those professing faith in Christ and attending church, have embraced a world system. Come out of her, my people. Guys, come out of who? Come out of the world. Who? Christians. Guys, just, I, I'm just going to make you turn there. I'm, I'm, we're going to take the time. Turn back to Revelation 3. This is one of the most misquoted. I, I, it's not horrible that it's quoted the way it's, that I'm, the way it's misquoted um, because the principle is certainly true. But look at Revelation 3 and verse 20. This is Jesus speaking in the revelation he's giving to John about the church at Laodicea. And he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. And, we, and we've taken that verse and we have distilled it down to this sweet little, frankly, wimpy picture of Jesus standing outside this little home. No, or, or this, maybe, maybe, the, maybe they're really creative and the, and the home is, has, a, has a door shaped like a heart and he's knocking on the door like, please let me in. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. That is not Jesus. If Jesus wants you, he will kick the door down and he will take you. Guys, who... What door is he standing in front of? Is it your personal door of, the, of your heart? Now, guys, the principle that, that God wants your heart, that Jesus is pursuing your heart, that he's a shepherd that goes after the one, I, I, that's certainly true. So, I'm, I'm, so, so I get when people use, use this, but context is king. What's the context? What door is he talking about? The church. He's saying, the door he's standing in front of is he's saying, hey, people... That say you profess faith in me, I'm right here and you're missing it because you're so busy doing your thing, which is just the world's thing with a little bit of Jesus thrown in. It's, it's, uh. guys, so how, how, how do we stay faithful? Right? Like, you know, in a world that is just overwhelmingly anti-Christ, how do we stay faithful? Well, first, Jesus tells us, or John tells us in 1 John, sorry, he says this, For all that are in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, this is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away, but those who do the will of God abide forever. Guys, understand this. When, here, here's, here's how you know which camp you're migrating towards. When Christians become materialistic and we pursue the things of this world, when we become self-promoting, self-defending, um, self-exalting, when we become... Um, when we start doing things the way the world does them, do I get that a two-hour church service is not attractive to the unbelieving world? I do. Do I care? Not even a little bit. Because that's not why we're here, guys. That's not why we're here today. That's why we go out there. See, what, see what's written on the wall? You shall be my witnesses. You go there. Bring them here if you want. Or bring them somewhere where they're preaching the word. But guys, we have got to stop buying into this world because when we do that, is when we do that, when we become self-defending, self, -defending, self and, and by self, maybe it's not you, maybe it's just your ideology that isn't Christian. You are partnering with Babylon. And the strength behind Babylon is who? Satan. Because if you get nothing else out of that, you gotta realize, like, like if you get nothing else out of today, you gotta realize that we are always stepping towards one or the other. There is no middle ground. 
Right? I'm either moment by moment, and guys, this is true for me as your pastor, it's true for your elders, it's true for your deacons, it's true for the leadership. We are moment by moment stepping closer and closer to Christ or stepping closer and closer to a world system. And by that, we, by that, guys, we can't just say, well, it's just the world. No, that's satanic. And we have to start talking about it that way. It is satanic. Guys, how do we stay strong? The answer is, I won't have you turn there, but I'm just going to turn there so I can read it correctly. You're going to read this in your daily readings this week. Ephesians chapter 6. How do we stay strong? By putting on the full armor of God. Here's how, he, here's how Paul starts that passage. Finally, brother, by, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the spiritual forces of darkness, against the principalities in the heavenlies. Because that's where our enemy is, guys. Our enemy are the spiritual forces of darkness. So, so he says, therefore, because, because, the, because the battle isn't with the Democrats, the battle isn't with Biden, the battle isn't with the Black Lives Matter movement, the battle isn't with, the battle is with Satan. He is showing himself in those things. We need to interject ourselves into those things as Christians, but we got to stop fighting those things as the end of the, of, the, of the deal. Those are just symptoms of a problem. Guys, this goes way back. Remember I said, remember what it was like, in, how you felt in 2020, March 2020, remember how you felt before? And what Mike was talking about, like he brought up education in our, in our last talking points. Guys, this, we, we have this idea that, okay, yeah, now, now I see, man, Satan is definitely behind this um, vaccine. Satan, oh, no, well, okay, but Satan, Satan is definitely behind the masks for the vaccine, or, or the virus, I mean. Oh, no, Satan is definitely behind the vaccine. Because this was not his first play. I'm not here. Those conversations need to happen, and we're trying to figure out how to help you come to us with questions about masks or not, vaccines or not. That's not the place, and this is not the time for that. My point is, that's just the next play for him. It's not his first, and it won't be his last. Because, because guys, prior to 2020, in this very church, which was then called Cornerstone, we were fighting each other about homeschool or not homeschool. Man, if you're not homeschooling your kids, you don't even love your children. Right? Healthcare. Oh, that was a big one. How can you possibly be for Obamacare? Okay, that's not a that's not a gospel issue, people. Okay, well, let's back up. Let's back up even further. How about the I don't know, 50s, 60s, 70s? The, the the church is blowing up, literally blowing up, just in America over the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, you can't possibly believe God still heals people. What are you doing? All right. So let's divide up. Oh, no, it gets better than that. Let's go back 500 years to the Reformers. You ever heard of a guy named Calvin? John Calvin? You ever heard of the guy that came along after Calvin died? Jacob Arminius? Well, let's, let's invent two theologies that, frankly, neither of those dudes even believed in and call them Calvinism and Arminianism, and let's blow up the church. Guys, who was behind that? Satan. Satan. Satan, do you, guys, again, if you get nothing else out of this, understand this isn't about all of those issues. I just, from, from the vaccines to Calvinism, this, I'm not talking about those issues. Those issues and the division they create are a symptom of the problem because our adversary lives in division. He, first, he wants us to doubt. Did God really say that? Then he wants to discourage us because, man, we're like, man, I don't even know if I can, like, I don't even know what I believe anymore, if it's true or not. Then he wants to divide us. And he's really, really good at it. Guys, a third of all people, we've had, we have people that are no longer with us since, since COVID because they've gone to find a church that was more political than we are. That, that isn't even a secondary issue in, the, in Christianity. It's not even what's called a tertiary issue in Christianity. That's called a preference. Okay, I need to land this plane. Now, I, oh, why did I close my Bible? We're not, we're not that landed yet. Keep your seatbelts fastened, people. Oh, my goodness, I really need to land this plane. Okay, guys, but here... 
here, I, I have to say, I know I keep saying I have to say this, but I have to, before we even get to our last point, our last point does go fast, and we're going to use it to go into our time of response. But, but I have to say this, guys, because there are people in this room right now, and there are people online that are listening that are scared, not just about what's going on in the world, but they're scared because they're going, oh, no, I got the vaccine. I, is he saying that I'm now part of the enemy? Guys, hear this. No. Absolutely not. So I wrote this down so I'd read it word for word just to make this clear. Look, no matter how you read Revelation, what I've just been reading, there is no scenario in which you inadvertently receive the mark of the beast. If you're striving to worship and serve Christ alone as Lord and refusing to worship and serve anyone or anything else as Lord, you're safe. Guys, and we have to remind each other of that. And we have to remind people that are not of us of that truth. And you go, yeah, I, don't, I don't believe that. How do you, guys, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think? Of, what, how is David described in Scripture? David, King David. Man after God's own heart. You've got to be kidding me, God. But before he committed adultery and murdered her husband, he was slaughtering women and children. Innocent women and children just to, just to cover his own tracks. This is a dude after man's own heart, after God's own heart? How is that possible? Here's how it's possible. Because the blood of Jesus is sufficient for your sin and for mine. All I know is whatever you think you have or haven't done, whatever camp you think you are or aren't in, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to save you. So with that, I'm, bringing, I'm going to land this plane. We're, we're not going to do our last talking point, which is how do we foster a biblical worldview. That's what we're doing in our D groups. That's what we're doing in our foundation study. That's what we want to be doing. I'm not even going to show you the video that I was going to show. All right, I'll show the video. Okay. It's, just, it's just 30 seconds long, but it helps. It makes the point, guys. And, and I, do, I guess it is, good. it is worth, before we get to our last point about the lamb, I want to show you the lion prowling around. And here's why. Is it work, by the way? Okay, so here's why. Because we have to be committed as a people, guys. Because here's the divi- we are not beyond division and dissension. We're not beyond discouragement. We're not beyond, um, and, and we have to commit to Christ and to one another. Guys, I, I have to know that we're locking arms, right? And anybody that comes in here and calls this place their church home, because we, we, a time is going to come where I have to trust that Jeff or Don or Michael are not going to turn me in. Because the enemy's this good. And we're just this dumb. Watch this. Now, I know it's really hard to see with that fuzzy thing, but those are two gazelle that are fighting. Now, look off up in the distance. Do you see what's coming? Do you see that little fuzzy thing that's moving? Can you see that at all? Do you see, do you see what that is? Do you see, so these, the, now, while these Christians are locking horns over issues that aren't even in the Bible, the, the enemy who is prowling around covers a lot of ground... And doesn't, they don't even see him. Too late. That is the picture of how the enemy destroys a church. We're so busy arguing with each other. We're so busy talking about just ridiculousness. He is just, and he's like, I'm right here. I'm here I come. You ever watch, you ever watch any other nature shows? It never happens that way. Man, a lion is like, if you're not within me to the wall, forget it. But he's like, yeah, you guys are so dumb. I'm just going to come get you. And that's what he's doing to the church. So, how do we live? How, or where does this cross train lead us to? First, it leads us to recognizing the lies, even the lies that look good to us. The second thing it is, it leads us, or we have to live like set apart ones. We have to live distinctly different, like making a massive difference. And the last thing is, we have to look to the Lamb of God. Guys, if, if we're not looking to Jesus Christ all, all of this, and I don't just mean today's message, I mean all of what we're trying to do here at Cross Train is for nothing. That, that we have to look at the Lamb of God. And for that, I'm going to go back to our first verse, chapter 17, verse 14. He says, they will make war on the Lamb, the world. That is, there's only two camps. There's the world and there's, G- and there's, there's the kingdom of Christ. And he says, they will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Guys, get this. Jesus did not come to make your little kingdom better. 
Jesus did not come to make the United States kingdom better. Jesus came to invite you into a better kingdom. Jesus came to change your citizenship. Not to add to it. To change it. So when you walk out here today and it says, you shall be my witnesses. Who and how are you witnessing? For who and how are you witnessing? Are you, guys, are we a people who are, lit, who are recognizing what's going on in the world as a, as, as a lie of Satan, even the things we think are good? We're living as distinctly different set-apart ones because that's what God has called us to be. And we are looking to the Lamb of God as just more beautiful and better than anything the world has to offer. And we want as many people as possible to join us in that kingdom. We're going to go into a time of response. The lights are going to come down and the trays are going to get passed around. And I will come back up and lead us and we'll, take, we'll partake together, which is different than how we've done it the last few weeks. Um, but as they do that, if you would, just, just where you are right now, do me a favor and just take a, everybody take a breath. I want you to bow your head. If you want to, you can close your eyes. Because I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm not even going to ask you to do anything. This is just a posture of reflection. So as the trays get passed around and we get ready to partake, I would ask you to reflect on this question. Are you beholding the Lamb?